What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business of Strength podcast. We have another amazing episode for you today. We are on the line with Greg Hammond. Greg is the head of marketing for Concept2 headquarters. Uh, Greg's been working for the company for years. In this episode, we talk a lot about the culture that's made Concept2 one of the most famous fitness brands in the industry. They've created some of the best equipment uh, for our style of gyms, for box gyms, fighters, uh, CrossFit gyms around the, around the globe. Their rowers, skiers, and now their new erg bike are really taking the industry by storm. Uh, Greg's an, a great guy. He's got an amazing insight on the marketing and what it takes to build an amazing brand and culture that stands out. Uh, we talk a lot about the unique culture at at Concept2 where there's no ranks, there's no real titles and things like that. It's kind of like this open forum where everybody gets an opportunity to speak their mind. Uh, it's a huge fitness culture in their, in their business where everybody trains and everybody works out together. They're all into fitness. They all throw down every day. So it sounds like a great place to work. Uh, and it's no, uh, no, no, no surprise that an amazing culture inside the business has led to the development of an amazing brand outside the business. You're going to love this episode. Greg's just a great guy. He gives so many great takeaways about what it took to build an amazing brand, to market that brand, and get that brand out to the world, and how they've partnered with CrossFit and how they've partnered with uh, Conor McGregor and they've helped Conor with his fighting and with his uh, preparation for his fights and uh, you guys are going to love it. I know I know. I, I really got a lot of great takeaways from, from Greg in this episode. As always, if you want to learn how to transform your passion for training into a real profession, you can attend one of our two-day Business of Strength mentorships and you can go to strengthentrepreneurs.com. We still have several mentorships on the calendar for this year. We're running two in August and one in December and our first uh, 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 seminar for 2019 is going to be in January in Glasgow, Scotland at Everyday Athlete Gym and Fight Club. You can go to strengthentrepreneurs.com to click on the link, get more information and find out and join us if you're ready to make a real change and transform your gym into a real powerhouse business. This episode is brought to you by Varsity House Gym, a world leader in strength and conditioning. For more information on their programs, go to varsityhousegym.com. Greg Hammond, everybody, let's take it away. Welcome to the business of strength powered by Varsity House Gym, the podcast for strength entrepreneurs. Greg, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, Concept2 has been, well, it's been kicking my ass for a long time. I and mean, their machines have been, you know, a big part of my training. I, I think the first time I, we, we didn't buy any concept equipment until rather recently in our gym lifespan, but I've always seen them in, in health clubs and stuff. And actually an old client of mine had a, had a model A in his house that still ran perfectly. That still worked awesome. It was like a big giant fan wheel. And I remember going on. Yeah, that they're thing. collector's items now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I see them online and they're expensive. Like the people are selling them for like three times what they're worth and stuff. So it's really funny. But, uh, yeah, we're lucky. Most of our equipment ends up, you know, 10, 20 years later, they'll sell used for within a hundred bucks of a new one. It's, yeah. It's kind of special like that. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let, I mean, let's start with that. I mean, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your background, how you wound up at concept two and you know, what, what attracted you to the brand and, and what has made the brand, um, um, so strong 
to, you know, in a sense, you know, last the test of time for 20 years? Yeah, well, um, you know, it's kind of a lot like this podcast. So my degree is in health science with a kind of focus on corporate wellness. And uh, so I left college and went up to start some um, health and wellness at the International Paper, which is a paper mill up in Maine. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, like every trainer, you get a budget from your boss and it says, okay, you know, spend this on the equipment. And I knew Concept 2 from being in Vermont and knew that their equipment didn't really break. And as far as, you know, getting people fit, it, it worked really well. So I would buy rowing machines, which is how they made at the time. And it was the first, it was the Model C. So it wasn't, uh, you know, this is probably would have been around like, uh, probably 93 or so. Um, and so after doing that for a while and working corporate wellness, training people who really don't want to be fit, they're kind of mandated to be fit. They just aren't motivated. I decided I wanted to start focusing more like on athletes and things. And, um, and I had a bunch of friends in Vermont that were working at Concept 2 already. And every time I'd call to talk to them, they'd be out playing basketball or skiing or doing something that didn't sound like work. And I'm like, that sounds like a great place. I should go check it out. So I went home and basically uh, got a job at Concept 2 and never looked back. It's been a great, great place for a family-owned business and really lucky. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and now, what what is your role at the company now and how has that changed over the years? So this is another kind of unique thing. It's really cool about our company is that um, almost everybody here started out in some form of production. So whether making oars or making rowing machines, literally turning wrenches, uh, knowing the product. Um, of course, when the company was much smaller, it was a lot easier to do that. So when I first got here, I was cutting carbon fiber for, for oars, and then I was making uh, 30 rowing machines a day and test rowing 30 rowing machines a day. And then you know, if you finished your work, you cut out early and you went mountain biking or hit the gym or something like that. Um, so most people kind of started out doing production. And then from there, um, I did, I played rugby and I, uh, I did motocross. So I was injured quite a bit. And every time I got injured and couldn't test real, they would put me on the phone in customer service. And because I knew the machines really well, you know, I could help people with their problems with the machines or their coffee and take orders, stuff like that. So then I switched to customer service. In the customer service, I started uh, working a lot with like the pro teams and pro athletes, and I already knew some pro athletes from different sports along the way, and um, and they eventually moved over for the past probably ten years into the marketing side of things. So I worked with a lot of um, you know everybody from fighters to motocross guys to CrossFit guys, and and uh, now more pro teams than ever um, buying our equipment. So I kind of like a liaison for that as well. Sure, that's awesome. And now, now talk to me a little bit about you know your role as a marketing executive. What does the marketing look like for Concept Two? How have you guys done such a great job branding? And like in the last few years, I mean, it's always been it's like I said, the company's been around for a long time and always been kind of the gold standard for rowers. But in the last few years, you've come out with a few new pieces of equipment that have really taken the industry by storm: the ski erg, the erg bike. And, and and partnered up with uh, the likes of CrossFit and these pro teams. How did that all come about? And, and you know, kind of lay out your, I would say, like the company marketing plan and how the company goes about um, uh, getting the message out. 
Yeah, I did. A little bit of a letdown to the business out there that I listened to, but totally by chance. Um, you know, the way, like, um, we kind of market is, like, it, it's interesting. We kind of just kind of respond to the market. We try to make a really good product, and we actually don't advertise. We really don't pay for marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely, it's, uh, and all the other businesses that I work with and see at trade shows and we're pretty unique. It's um, the whole philosophy from the two brothers that own the company is make a product that works, that doesn't break, and people will buy it. And um, we don't sponsor athletes per se. Um, you know, we help with equipment and things like that, but you don't pay cash to anybody. Um, it's uh, you probably noticed that we aren't in any magazines unless it's um, we, if we show up at a magazine, we didn't pay for the for the article. Um, we actually tell people. You know, what they're going to write about is, um, you know, we really want their honest opinion. You know, sometimes we'll loan them equipment to test if they want to do a review, but we don't pay for reviews. Uh, so it's not the norm in the, in the industry by any means right. as far as our marketing. Um, the other thing that, uh, like I have friends that said, it must be great to work in marketing, you know, work for a company in marketing that you literally don't do marketing. That's the real secret to your career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks I just go on Instagram and Facebook and then that's my job. But it's, uh, that's, it's not the whole thing. But that's part of it. And then with CrossFit, um, it's really interesting how that came about. We had nothing to do with it. So we were lucky enough that Greg Glassman when, and Mark Twight, both when they, with Jim Jones, when they both started, they're already using the road machine as a really good training tool with their athletes. And, um, and they started using them. And whenever they asked for anything, support, like, can you be in California for this little event that's happening in the Roma, California, called the CrossFit Games, where you come and help with your equipment. And we just are always like, well, that's our deal. We're customer service and support. So if it sounded like fun and it sounded like a party, we'll go out and do it. And ever since then, you know, loyalty goes a long way. And, an industry, and if you help somebody out and clearly mean it, then they'll come back. And we've been lucky that CrossFit's been using our equipment, all of our equipment, since um, you know before there even was a game. Yeah. Uh, a matter of fact, I think Greg Glassman, one of the first piece of machinery he had in his original Santa Cruz CrossFit was the old Model B rowers, which I think when they moved their new place and they got new rowers, those Model Bs ended up going to Camp Pendleton's crossfit so a lot of their stuff is still out there yeah that's awesome hey greg are you do you this sidebar do you have are you speaking on speakerphone you sound a little muffled on your end i'm on my cell phone right now i'm not on speaker though okay all right so it's just it might just be connection coming in and out a little bit so um it sounds fine now it's just when you sometimes it was like muffling out a little bit the um, okay. we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. So so now now being there and, and it seems like the company as a whole has a very unique culture in a sense that it's you know obviously uh, very people centric you know very um, let's call it employee friendly. Can you talk to me a little bit about the culture at, at Concept? What keeps people there? Um, how do they you know how do they in a sense, go about their business, and what does a day-to-day kind of look like for you as a marketing executive there? Yeah, so to start the first question, as far as um, the company goes, it's, uh, it's led from the top. So it's uh, two brothers that own the company, uh, both high-level rowers. One was in the Olympics, um, and his wife was also in the Olympics for rowing. And 
the culture starts with them. Um, I mean, we're in Vermont, which is not the easiest place to do business, but we're here because of quality of life and the fact that everybody who works here likes to do active things. So whether it's mountain biking or working out or skiing or whatever it is, you know, we're here so that we can do that. And right from the very beginning, even when we were doing production, you know, we would have a, a, a list of things we needed to do for the day. And if you're efficient and you're good at your job and you finished you know, before your eight hours and you wanted to go for a run or do something like that, the owners were fine with it. You know, they're hiring you to do a specific job and do it very well. And if you did that very well, then it's, then it's a very kind of structure-free business. It's, it's unique in the fact we don't have levels. It's, you know, everybody from the guy doing production to, you know, the guy, you know, marketing or whatever, you know, everyone's on the same level. There's mm-hmm. no management. Right. Um, but they hold you to a high standard, um, whether you're doing your job or you're on the road representing the company. So as long as you're all, everything's in line with the values of the company, then, um, then everything's good. And it's, 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 um, you know, it also helps that the owners, they, they probably are in the workout room more than we are. I mean, <laughs> everybody here does something. And when I first started working here, you'd be trying to finish your work and they would be coming to you going, Oh, just leave it. Come to the gym, you know, or let's just leave it. Let's go for a trail run. And you're like, no, I actually have to do my work, you know? So, um, and it's, and the guys now are in their sixties and most of them, you know, both of them can probably beat half the company in a TK on the rower just even today. Nice. That's awesome. So leading from the front yeah. for sure. Yeah. We, I actually yeah. saw, um, <clears throat> you know, one of our good friends is Jane Erbacher and she's been there and, uh, you know, obviously following on social media. Mm-hmm. So seeing your workout room and seeing you guys throw down, it looks like uh, the culture there is that everybody, it's like everybody could be at their desk. It's like, that's it, everybody, 2K row for time. Let's go. And then it, it's just. It used, to be a, yeah, it used to be a lot better. We used to call it test after rowing. So <laughs> you basically, you'd call somebody out. Like when we were test rowing, when you test row, we still physically row every machine that goes out. Um, I don't do it anymore, which is a shame because. Even if you miss your workout, if you were test rowing, you are in amazing shape. But <laughs> you had to pull it to a sub-136 for just a couple of strokes, but then you had to, you know, move on to the next machine. So over the course of a day, you were, you were pulling a lot of, like, quick sprints or intervals. Sure, sure. As soon as somebody went lower than somebody else, all the eyes would go around and were like, oh, I can beat it. And next thing you know, it just turned into man testing. <laughs> and, you know, by the end of the day, somebody was blue-lipped and laying on the floor. It's it, it, that was when we were all in our 20s and single, and we were doing all that after going out the night before. Nowadays, it's a lot more mellow. When you do it. Yeah, that's kind of that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Greg, one one question that I had for you, and I don't want to um, I don't want to keep going on through the podcast, but when it comes, you, you said that you guys don't uh, pay any athletes per se. So the one thing I want to ask you is, obviously, I think everybody's seen the new Netflix special with Conor McGregor, uh, Notorious. <laughs> Um, and no, and Conor McGregor is now, um, you know, famous for using concept two rowers and ski ergs, especially when he's been injured and on the ski erg, it just seems almost as if it's a, it's a marketing plug that concept <laughs> two had in that, in that film. Can you just explain how that came to be and what your relationship is like with Conor McGregor? Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny to say that because. Believe me, when that first came out, my phone blew up. It was like, how'd you do this? How'd you get Connor to put in there? It really came about that. Um, so his 
management I kind of knew and some of their strength coaches I've met over the years. And when you broke his foot, of course, what's the best way to keep your cardio up if you have a broken lower extremity is the skier. And so we actually did give him a skier to use, which, you know, so paying per se, we don't give cash, but, you know, here's a guy, a top athlete that needs your product to stay in shape. We don't ask anything of them. We just said, hey, we want to support you. Here's this machine to use. And then he was just a good enough guy that he started posting it a lot. Um, which believe me, with most athletes, if you do that, it's very rare that someone actually does what they say they're going to do. Like, you do give them a piece of equipment. Of course. Um, that they, but it's nice. And what I, what I've always done, and I don't know how this works, but I don't work with agents typically. I just, um, it's not that I don't like them, but, you know, the agent is, can't get 10% of a rowing machine or 15% of a rowing machine. So what's, what's the value to them to do this? So what I usually tell an agent is I'm like, not in Connor's case, but in other top athletes' cases, I'm like, well, you know, we're not saying no, but if the athlete thinks that our product will help them in some way, have that athlete contact me directly, and we'll find out if it's a good fit. Because if you go through the agent a lot of times, the agent says, hey, I got you a concept too, and there's no loyalty there. Um, you know, it's just a piece of free equipment that showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I gotta say like, um, you know, Dr. Dalby, who's the, tra- the trainer for Connor, he's, um, he's a great guy. I was over in Dublin and actually met with him. And then, um, you know, most of his coaches when I was in, over in Dublin, I didn't think it'd be Connor, but the coaches are all real guys and they really care about his fitness. And it was just a lucky thing, you know, that Connor does like our equipment, but, We've never, uh, we've never given him cash. It's just, believe me, if Connor needs something, he's probably going to get it. <laughs> I mean, I'm also a fan, so it makes it, you know, I, before CrossFit, believe it or not, uh, UFC, MMA, um, and action sports was my main focus. So I was actually more into, into that than any of the CrossFit stuff. And then CrossFit got big. It was just a matter of how do I divide up my day? And now it tends to be probably 80% CrossFit related in 20%, you know, MMA, action sports, and that right. sort of thing. I, I see that you're, um, that you're almost constantly traveling, and you're at trade shows, and you're at uh, sporting events. Can you talk a little bit about what your travel schedule looks like and how, you know, what your responsibility is like while you're on the road representing Concept2 brand? Yeah, uh, so I used to do a lot more. Actually, you know, like anybody else, travel these days is just, it just sucks. Like, I love being at places. I just don't like getting and coming home from places. So, um, yeah, it's just the air, flying. If I can drive somewhere, it's a treat. But, um, so, you know, it used to be, in years past, you know, I could do as many as 12 to 15 a year, you know, one, maybe two a month. Um, and now, I, you know, I try to keep a couple of months just, you know, for, to do stuff with my wife and stuff like that around here. But, I actually don't go, you know, I used to do one or two regionals, profit regionals, profit games for sure. Um, and then, you know, maybe about six or seven other events a year. Um, like last year, one of, there's a big event in Dubai that I went to. That was the furthest ever I had to fly. And like I said, I loved it there. Great event. But man, it's come off a flight like that. You never want to get on a plane again. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely cutting back. But what I do like is, like, you know, everywhere I go, I typically know somebody 
that's going to be there. So I'm going to a gym where I know the strength coach, I know the trainer. I know when I get there, I'm going to see a friend. I'm going to get a great workout. And it's not the typical trade show. Like, I actually don't go to trade shows very often anymore. I'm really glad about it. Because those are the, you know, I want to work with people that enjoy working out, enjoy getting stronger, improving their fitness, and all this stuff. You go to a lot of these trade shows, and there's a lot of fit, fit you know? You see people that look like they're fit, but then you talk to them and like, oh my god, yeah, it's just a facade. They're not, they're not really athletes. They're something else, you know. Sure. It's, um, it's, but like I also, you know, like I said about working out. If I'm going to, if I happen to be have to go out to Madison, Wisconsin, for still there. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, uh, I thought the phone cut out. I got no. Um, if I could go out to Madison, I have. A trainer has him who's a great strength coach, and I'll do workouts with him. Or, you know, if I go to Dublin, I'll search out some of, you know, the MMA gyms or stuff like that. So, you know, it's not, it looks like a lot of work, but I actually have a really good time once I get to play. Sure. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, working in your your gym, your man. I mean, obviously, combining a couple of things that you love to do anyway, fitness. So it's, you know, less of a less of a job vacation than it is, you know, actually going out, promoting an awesome product, getting to train and meet but, cool people and stuff. And it's true too, is like so a lot of my friends I do a lot of CrossFit, but I mean I have a lot of strength conditioning friends that don't do CrossFit. I have a lot of you know, action sports friends that don't do even functional fitness and, you know, uh, functional but it's 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 very sports specific. So what I like about it when I travel is I'm going to do something that I don't do myself every day. Yeah. So I usually get schooled pretty hard, but I also like the training methodology of the different coaches I work with. I still love the process. Hmm. So like I say that, you know, I've got this hierarchy of coaches that I've met along the way. And I'm like, okay, if I could take, you know, 10% from this guy and 10% from this guy, you know, there's I meet some people that are just incredibly impressive. Um, and so, you know, I also look at it as I'm collecting a little bit of information every time I go on what works for their athletes. And, you know, a lot of times the gyms I like the best are the, the coaches are like, you know, I'd rather get a guy to lose 100 pounds and get off medicine than, you know, go pro in a sport. You know, sure. those coaches a lot of times don't get the same kind of recognition as some of the top strength and conditioning coaches, but in all reality, it changes lives more than you know, than they are from the top guys. So uh, I do enjoy all gyms, not just these, like, the elite gyms. That's awesome. Now, now, do you do you specifically, like, look out or seek out gyms, coaches, and or athletes that you want to partner with or you want to, you know, get in front of to rep your product? Like, would you, like, you know, seek out, like, a CrossFit New England or whatever, and be like, hey, Ben, can I come down there for the day and, you know, work out with you guys, talk about some of our equipment and stuff like that? Is that something that you guys do? Well, lately, what's nice about social media is a lot of the gyms I seek out are, I've been following them for a while. So yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, there's some guys that are putting out some pretty cool programming with the skiers and the bikers and, you know, even the rowers and stuff. And Or they do a sport that I don't really know a lot about, but they happen to use our equipment. And so it's almost like a little bit of stalking some my end going, oh, man, I, if I'm ever in that state, I want to call that guy and work yeah. out with him and talk to him. Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, and what's great about having an email and, or even my concept to Greg Instagram, it's like, 
you know, sometimes these coaches don't know me, but they're like, oh, maybe I'll get something free. You know, even though yeah. he has a book, but they're, really, they're very nice. You know? they're like, oh, yeah, come on. They think you're, they think um, you're going to come with a truckload of rowers and ski ergs. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And then I got to say, a lot of times they expect more out of me. Like, oh, this guy's going to come to for 20 years. Let's, uh, let's do a PR 5K. And I get there and I just don't feel like doing a 5K. But I, I can't let this guy down. I also can't let him beat me. You know? So, <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot of pressure when you, when you carry around the concept of your name, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. now that I'm 48. And you know, yeah, it's a little yeah, bit yeah. easier to beat me than it used to be. So. Can, can you, can you pull a sub six 2K? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's and then, <laughs> You know, it's like I guess like well, I guess the bar's kind of high. It's like you know, like oh. I don't know if like a washed up bodybuilder or powerlifter walked through the door, it'd be like, "Can you lift this?" <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, can you still lift this? <laughs> and it used to be a lot easier because you know, like you know, we really we were always kind of like the same gym that nobody used, and if it was, there was this old lady in the back, and everybody thought it was too easy. And then I don't know, like ten years ago. We make one top athlete throw up, and everybody loves us. They're like, oh, this thing is brutal. I love to hate your machine. And so yeah. when it got, you know, when it, when it wasn't popular, you could beat everybody because no one knew how to use the machine. Now people are learning how to use the machine, so it's even harder. The progression of knowledge on our fitness has sure. gone through the roof. So we're actually just looking. They just In the regional this year, they redid a workout from a couple of years ago called Triple Three. They had to row 3,000 meters. And they look at the times, and everybody's time for better. And, it, and it, it's that people are just taking the time to learn the machine now. And it, sure. it shows up with the, with the top athlete. Once they, you know, you, there's some bad rowing techniques. If you're strong sure. enough, you can take some pretty good numbers on low on low meters, you know, on shorter distances. But, um, you know, then once you get technique and a strong athlete, then it's, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, we got we got gym guys that are beating on water rowers in some of those shorter distances. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love seeing uh, some of the strong men use the concept twos, like Brian Shaw. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. All those guys. I mean, yeah. we, we Eddie, the Hall. Yeah, Eddie yeah, Hall. Eddie Hall. I mean, we had a big yeah. guy here, Jake. We got. He, I mean, he's just a giant, you know, ogre of a human being, and uh, three hundred pounds of muscle. I mean, he could row very close to six a six minute two k, but he rode a. Uh, you know, like his his, his first his time splits. ever, he rode a six thirty six two thousand meter row and with the never most god awful form you've ever seen. Ever. <laughs> yeah, that's faster. That's faster than my bet. So I mean, that's a, that's pretty good. Right, <laughs> right. And I mean, he's he's rowing. He's pulling like a one fourteen, one fifteen on like his sprints. You know, like going ham. Like <laughs> I'm like Jesus. They're gonna tear the tear the machine to pieces. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, those big guys, too, they can get away on the short distances because they literally think of every stroke like lifting a deadlift from the floor. Correct. You know, so it's like there's no rhythm necessarily to their right. rowing, but every time they're trying to rip the chain out of the machine, which makes it, you know, there's, like, when Eddie Hall posted the video on the skier, oh, yeah, I mean, awful. I know how strong those ropes are, but I'm like, you know, we've never really had someone that big on it before. So yeah, I'm getting yeah. a little nervous. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be close to 400 pounds, right? At least. Oh, he's more. A, yeah. He's a giant. More, 450. Giant. Yeah. You know, speaking of Eddie yeah. Hall, Greg, is one thing that I that that Concept Two has been able to transcend is your ability to be in so many countries worldwide, and it's become, you know, I know rowing is a huge deal in Australia. I know it's a huge European sport, but you guys 
with Concept 2, I know you guys have different outpost stations as to um, how you are able to spread the message in other countries. Can you explain how, how you guys have gone about doing that? Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a lot like the grassroots thing of Concept 2. And it started out, a lot of these countries that have detailers, they're just growing buddies of the owners, you know. They wrote internationally, so they knew a guy who was in Sweden, um, and the guy needed a job after racing. He'd say, you know, I sell your rowing machines, and then there you go. There's a seed for Concept 2, you know, in that area. And that's pretty much how it started. Like, the guys in Australia, they are dealers. They're former racers. They used to race with the owners. Um, same thing, you know, with Germany and those places. So that's kind of how it started. Um, you know, we just had our international dealers meeting here. We had everybody came to Vermont just so that we want to make sure that if we didn't know you at the start, we want to show you our culture and, and you know, take you to the woods of Vermont and realize it's a family company and that this is how we put so much stock in customer service. And, and that's, we are only going to get people in those countries that represent as if they were here in Vermont with us, and so we really, we're in every we're in every country for sure. But you know, it's one of those things is that we want to make sure that whoever's there just really gets it. You know, so you know, if, if a guy in Russia yeah. calls up the guy in Russia, it's as if he's talking to the Russian version of Greg. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right? So, are you doing yeah. all the manufacturing in Vermont, or do you have other outposts where you guys are actually assembling and manufacturing the equipment outside of mm-hmm. the U.S.? No, matter of fact, from where I'm talking to you, about 200 feet away, every biker, gear, and rower is being assembled. It's, uh, we're probably, I, I know it's not true, but it's probably close. I don't think there's many pieces of equipment that are still made in the United States anymore as far as exercise equipment. I know there's probably some, but Sure. I would say that it's a dying breed, um, and we could easily, and people, you know, you know, we could easily get them made overseas and, and you know, and increase our profit margin. But that's something that we, we don't want to do. You know, we just believe in doing it here, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and then we, you know, we pay people here a really good wage to make them, and you know, it's just we find it better than maybe like on a Taiwan or something like that. And if there's an issue in the production line, we know that it isn't. You know, ten minutes, not not two to three weeks. You know, container time back and forth across the ocean. So. Right. How many employees do you guys currently have working for Concept Two? So here in Vermont, we've got sixty, and that includes the ore, manu- ore manufacturing. Um, one of our one of our former employees started a company where he does it's a manufacturing company, and so he's the guy that's you know building that's just across the street. So it's it's it's. Own business, but he does the assembly and stuff. Um, but he's literally across the street from us. Mm-hmm. And then, as far as you know, concept, um, concept two globally, where we actually own the, the own um, the offices, it's Germany, uh, Sweden, Holland, China. Um, I'm trying to think where else we're missing some more. Um, there's a couple more that we actually oh in the UK, Nottingham in the UK. Those are all. At our office, that those are my coworkers, and then around the world, then they'll be what we call preferred resellers. So they're not actually employees, but they do kind of work. Got it. Nice. So, as it stands right now, Greg, where what what where does the bulk of the revenue come from? Is it still the rowers being the biggest seller of of, of equipment, and then from yeah, there? for sure the rowers. Yeah, Model Ds right now. Black Model Ds are the biggest seller. Model D's, um, nice. Yep, and, and then um, 
And then I would say that, you know, the skier took a huge jump in the past two years or so. So, you know, they've been around for a long time, but just recently the numbers have really started to, to grow um, and people are kind of understanding it. And, you know, we've got more proteins getting it for injured athletes and things like that. So, um, and the biker actually took off almost bigger than what we even expected. So now it's just a matter of trying to make them quick enough to fulfill orders and stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's awesome. And then what, what, and out of the, out of that, like, which is the biggest segment? Is it the private gym segment or is it the personal owners? Like who's buying, who's buying the majority of the equipment? Yeah. For most of my 20 years here, there's always been home sales and it's been rollers. Uh, that's always been kind of the, you know, we have the online rankings and people can have a roller at home and still have this community online and rank their times and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, now I would say it's probably a combination of functional fitness gyms and, and home use stuff. Um, the nice thing that we've had with the functional fitness and CrossFit is, you know, used to be a 24 hour fitness would have, you know, 20 ellipticals and two rowing machines that no one ever used. And then CrossFit came along and they might have you know, a hundred members and 20 rolling machines and no ellipticals and everyone's using it. Um, right. So the ratio has changed. The smaller gyms now have the majority of, of the equipment uh, of the rollers and the, still the larger, you know, kind of chain gym still for some reason only, you know, they'd rather fill it full of treadmills and ellipticals than they do yeah, rolling machines sure, sure. on there. So. Yeah. Like when you go into a, like a, I don't know, like a big box gym, you know, they'll have rows and rows and rows of treadmills, ellipticals, steppers, and things like that. And they'll have, like, a functional training area with two rowers. And yeah. very rarely do I see ski ergs in, like, those types of places, like, a, let's call it a New York sports club or places like that, you know, only in, a, the, um, like, a You're small. right. The, the UFC gym chain, they, they buy a lot of them. And then um, oh, there's another one out of... Um, there's another one that's getting really kind of big. Equinox has more of I, think, a, I think Equinox yeah, has yeah, some. Equinox too. has yeah. some. And what about like Orange yeah. Theory? I know they're using rowers, but I think they use a different one with the water in it. They use the one that has the water in it. Um, you know, we we never really reached out to them and stuff. I mean, it would have been nice if they used our stuff. They're definitely crushing it um, yeah. right now. But yeah, they use the, the water ones. Um, I don't like And them. we don't really have much contact with them. One of the things I gotta, I'd love to ask him about is he maintains all the water in the tanks. Because it's got to be a little bit of a skin in, in the butt, but they must have it figured out because they've been using them for a while. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, That's but fun. there's other right now that there's a lot of the trend going on with more kind of like what spinning was in the '80s, like rowing specific, or even now we've got some rowing, skiing, and biking specific group fitness classes. Um, which I think is good because I think it makes you a better athlete with a variety of that. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a neat trend to now, see who's going to do it first year. <laughs> how has, like, how has the industry changed in terms of competitive market space? You know, like, now I see there are some other companies making indoor rowers, and I see some models out there. That look very similar, you know. Now I see there's some other ones out there by a couple of companies that I see uh, that look look pretty close. So I'm, I'm gonna have to call the patent office and make sure there's no infringements. 
No, no, we, we see it all the time, too. And, it's, it's, you know, I guess Greg's stance on it is it really pisses me off because they literally, you know, saw something and they're, they're basically trying to trick people into buying a road thinking that it's going to be like the Concept U because mm-hmm. it looks like the Concept U. Um, yeah, I mean, I just saw a Costco ad that had one that blatantly, like, the foot bellies and the damper settings looked like they came from our mold. Um <laughs> What what our patents on really is the technology and the accuracy, which you know that's like our claim to fame. That's why they use it for Olympic trials, sure. and that's why they use it for racing. You know these other machines are gonna. You know this is why we don't go after them. They're gonna break, and hopefully the second machine the person buys will touch. Um, yeah, right, right. You know, and if you go online, what's nice about it is we never have to like kind of blow our own horn because. I'll see stuff on Facebook or on there like, oh, I thought about getting X rower from Costco or whatever. And then we don't even have to say anything. Everyone just comes to our defense and like, I've had my concept suit for 20 years and I'm using it every day. Yeah, yeah. There's only a $100 difference, you know, get that one. So people are doing a really good job of spreading the word for us, which goes back to I'm a marketing guy that doesn't have to market. Probably the greatest job ever. (laughs) I mean, if you you make by far the best piece of equipment in your space, I mean, you know, you're going to, by default, you know, should at least, you know, be the top dog in that area. Now, I mean, one of the things that I love about them is the metrics, you know, the the monitors, the the computer system that they have tied into them, uh, giving you such great uh, measurables and that are repeatable, you know, and scalable to all levels. That's, That's the beauty of the machine in my eyes. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I always thought like, you know, other companies, you know, when you look at their, let's call it their computer mechanics, and it was like, you know, you get like three things, time, you know, distance, and, and I don't know, let's call it calories or something. And it's like, that's it. I can't get it. I mean, it doesn't tell me anything about power, speed, distance, you know, nothing. And it's like, you're always kind of disappointed. And, and usually they're terribly inaccurate. So tell me a little bit about that and how that fits into you know, the product, the marketing, and where is that going? And what other things are you guys looking in towards, you know, for the future? Like, how, how, how do you envision the brand growing, and how does that, you know, fit in with the technology, and where is the technology going? Yeah, we just had a big talk about technology with all of our dealers over here. They're like, okay, in your countries, what do you see? And like, what's your wish list and this and that? It's it's uh it's interesting. Our our whole thing is accuracy, and that comes right from the former, you know, former Olympians and knowing that they literally are guys trying to make jeeps and boats based on tenths of seconds on our machines. Like right. they do, you know, seat racing, and if if you come in, you know, two tenths of a second behind the next guy, you might not make the team or something. So we take we don't take that lightly. Our accuracy is is a is a big thing, and you know what, keys and things like that. And the nice thing about the, our rower, too, is it's self-scalable. So the same machine that Eddie Hall uses, uh, and your 80-year-old grandmother could use. You know, she's going to row it just like you row it, but she's going to get more resistance than her because she's not, you know, it, it matches the effort you put into it. So it's self-scaling and accurate, and you know every day if you've gotten better because of what the monitor tells you. Um, now, the technology side of it, I don't see a ever getting away from what we know is true because right now you could have a brand new Model D and 
you know, and compared to somebody with a Model B that's 30 years old, and it's going to the same calibration. So, I mean, if you have a certain time on a B, you're most likely going to get the same time on a on a B. You know, as long as everything's well maintained, and this is that, you know, it's going to you're going to get the same score. Now, the technology side, there's a lot of apps and things like that, and that's where I see the direction changing. Like, our machine will stay the same, super accurate, and do whatever. But I can see maybe things that will add on to it because the new monitors have Bluetooth and wireless in it. So if you're an entrepreneur and you have this great idea for an app or you want to get certain metrics that we can't give you, um, you can email content too. And our, our tech guys will tell you how to interface with our monitor. And, and, you know, if you think you can make a couple bucks making a great app, have at it. You know, that's something that we don't necessarily want to do. We have our own app, but, you know, we're going to stick with what we, do well, and if and we know that there are probably some smarter people out there that can either you know make interfaces for group growing or you can make sure. interfaces for you name it. Um, you know we like we like turning wrenches, and yeah. you know there's the guys on the other side, but we also need to make it so that they can work with our monitors and do that really really well right now and super accommodating. Most well, of the app growing apps that are out there started out by a guy you know concept two saying you know how do i how do i interface your monitor that kind of stuff yeah there was a we i saw a few people in the gym using them Frank. here yeah and dan dan k was using it and uh and I didn't even realize this is going to sound terrible talking to the CrossFit guy on the phone, but like I didn't even know that the monitors were Bluetooth. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just sync it up Bluetooth to the monitor. I was like, what? Well, the, <laughs> I was like, five, I was so, like my brain yeah, just exploded. Most of the monitor functions, like I should really do a better job just putting out Instagram posts on what the monitors can do. I mean, I'm, I'm an athlete too, and when it comes down to it, it's really the biggest thing. How, fa- how far and how fast? Yeah. That'll tell you 99% of what you want to do. Um, so I'm not a big, you know, I call it entertainment. You know, I, I mm-hmm. don't need a bunch of guys in, in boats on an app necessarily, although there's a good one out there called Live Boat that's kind of yeah. you know, fun to use. Um, but, you know, if I'm doing a workout, I'm doing the workout to work out. And, but there's some people that really need a lot of extra mm-hmm. stimulation of what they're mm-hmm. doing or, or or whatever, but I'm also not their typical. I still write stuff in notebooks in my workout journal. Sure, me too. I'm so, old school. I mean, it's, it's, the technology is infinite what you can do. It's yeah. just there's, it's just nothing. We want to just stick with what we know yeah, sure. how to do well, I guess. And what about what about the monitors themselves that you guys produce? Uh, like, like I could see like a force curve, you know, type thing on those. Any, 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 like. Any ideas with how to make that better or how to prove any type of information there? Yeah, so we've got the first curve on there now. But what one people, some people ask, I think it's a good idea, is um, being able to overlay somebody else's force curve so you can kind of mimic a different force curve and maybe help train you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's um, pretty interesting. But the people using the force curve is such a small number now. Yeah. Um, they don't really quite understand it. Um, but it is very helpful on all the machines. Actually, the force curve, force curve on the steer, I think, is a really good way to teach people how to get the power at the beginning of the stroke, you know, just by looking at the force curve. Um, you know, we have people ask us, you know, can we, we're generating power anyways, can we charge our cell phones, or all this kind of stuff come in and subscribe. But um, I think, you know, we, we wanted to make it a full-color stream. 
it's backlit now, which makes it easier to use like in different lighting and stuff. Sure. But we also never want to have to plug our machine in. We all, we love the fact that you can take it outside, take it out in the woods if you want, row wherever you want to row without power. And so, at least with the Model Ds, when you're rowing, you're actually producing the power for the LCD screen. So it only uses battery power when you're either rowing very slowly or the monitor on is on and not rowing. And although it'd be cool to have color, you know, we wouldn't necessarily be able to do it right now with the technology that's out there to to do that and right. then still be able to not have to plug it in, that kind of thing. That's great. I mean, and I, I love, you know, I, I love the idea of, you know, independent companies making some apps. I could see some really cool stuff that would, like, for a gym like ours, you know, either with athletes can all log in times and stuff like that and, like, you know, keep track of like a group and stuff and the same thing for adults, but the ability to sync the machines up and we've done it with people in our, even in our own gym here, just putting their times up on your, on your website, on your, uh, uh, uh score, scoreboard and, uh, and yeah, the just, log book. yeah, the log book and just tracking times and stuff like that. I know we've done, we've done that for people a while. People get crazy about that. People get crazy over it. So it's a lot of fun. What about any new equipment? Now, um, this is, I don't know if anybody's ever thought of this at Concept, too. I'm sure there's a bunch of people there who are smarter than I am. But where is the freaking fan bike, man? Where is the air, the assault bike style Concept, two with the PM5 monitor that actually gives me good feedback? So so for years, all my friends, you know, my gym coach friends and strength conditioning coaches, they're like, Greg, you know, the bike that doesn't break, and we need your monitor, and it's got to have arms and stuff. So I actually went to engineering, and I'm like, listen, we need to do this. And I got the answer I got is, you know, we know rowing, we know skiing, you know, there are sports that we know. We'll stick with that. And actually, somebody here said, once there's air biking in the Olympics, maybe we'll think about it. And they like to stick with actual known sports. Mm-hmm. And it was floated out there to do with arms, but in hindsight now, I think these, again, these engineers are smarter than myself being a marketing guy. Is that, you know, I did go to a trade show. Everyone and their brother makes a bike with arms now. And to get into that market, um, again, we said, let's just do our own bike. Let's make mm-hmm. it the way we want to make it. And if people like it, they'll buy it. And if they don't, you know, whatever. So, right. you know, I started to go down the route of, you know, this could make a lot of money. People really want it and stuff. And the owners basically were, were smart enough to know and say, no, this is what we did with the rower. This is what we did with the gear. Let's just make a good product based on a real sport. People will, will go towards it. And, yeah. and they were right. And I'm, I'm glad we didn't do it now. And there's our, there's, there's other bikes that are coming out that are, that are better. I, we actually have a road bike here that has got arms on it. It's definitely the beefiest of all the, the bikes with arms on it. But the, the new road bike. Do, yeah, yeah, people do, want, and I, I agree that it would be nice though. Like our monitors, one of the cool things about all three of our machines having the same monitor, yes. the exact same button pushing, yes. the same stats, same metrics. And so once you know one, you know all of them. That's a nice feature. Yeah, I figured after it takes me five years to get a client to figure out how to use the monitor, that now that when I have to <laughs> when I get another piece of equipment, I got to teach him how to use another monitor. I'm like, oh come on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it'd be nice if we could just then, line the whole gym with PM5s and we'd be good. And then also, too, like split time. What's nice about your, you know, split times on yeah. rowers and steers, you know, if, if you're not really good on either end, they tend to be, like for me, you know, I wasn't an on-water rower, and I did ski race 
Nordic ski race a little bit. So my rolling times and skier times aren't that far off. And then what's nice about the splits on the bike is the slip was very similar, but you're going twice as far with that split yeah. based on a thousand meter split. And that's only because there's no recovery phase in the cycle. When you steer and you row, there's that there's that recovery phase. So a bike is you're gonna you're gonna accumulate meters faster because there's no endpoint. It's just constant yeah. the whole time. Well, I'm I'm dying to try the the erg bikes. I have yet to get on one and uh, and haven't had a chance to try them. But self-servingly, I want Concept Two to make an air bike. Just maybe you could just make a couple <laughs> of them for us here at Varsity House. <laughs> it would be interesting. We looked at it, and then, and then you know, thing too, if you want to make something that eventually is going to be like, oh, 30 years from now, someone right. will say, I'm still using my, my air bike. And when you go into putting the arms on stuff, the amount of, um, of clutches and belts that you need, you definitely, I mean, we'll give, we'll give credit to the guys that, that do make them with arms. There's a, there's a lot more going on. Yeah, so sure. There's a lot more things that potentially could go wrong. Uh but, um, yeah, I know, think, you, I think big, the big thing is too, is just, you can create so much more torque on the, on the drive mechanism. You know, that's why they all break down is we, you get like a big guy, like, you know, like the guy we were talking about, Jake, he's 300 pounds and he goes from zero to full power with both the arms and legs and the machine just explodes in all directions. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of leverage on those arms. That's, that's a, that is a point that we, we didn't want to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's smart from a, from a brand perspective, it's smart. Um, and rare at the same time to for a company that there is this huge market space that is, I'm sure, making some of these come like Assault making big money on selling their air bikes. Yeah. So the knee-jerk reaction from you know somebody outside, like someone like me, is like, why aren't they making an air bike? You know, yeah, but same. then but then the reality but, of it is, hey, if we you know if we make something really high quality that actual cyclers will want to get on, cycling's not going anywhere, and right. cycling's a real sport that's international. Well, that's the thing too is we just you know you look at the market and and there's there's a lot more people that ride bikes than do functional fitness. So if you just look at the sheer number of sure. potential people to buy your product, it was really smart as well. Um, you know the engineers and the owners to kind of go that route. Uh, yeah. Plus, we're getting a lot of guys that just um, you know they road bike or they mountain bike. We've actually got some top mountain bikers now that are using it. It tends to be really like our bike on your quad if you. You want big quads, big trunk quads, our, our bike is, will do it for you, dude. And so these guys that, you know, that's their goal, then this is a great bike for it because the, the wind resistance and the fan is like, we brought it to Dublin, Ireland. We had some big rugby guys that were there and we we're, it was kind of mean of us, but we were doing max meters in a minute. Uh-huh. And we had big, strong rugby guys just writhing on the ground, holding the quads in a minute on, you know, sure. basically crying. It's, uh, <laughs> but you could also go for an hour if you want to go for an hour. It's right. a big range of that fan. So. Right. I never really thought about that concept, too, with a skier or rower or biking as a sport because I'm looking at it as a you know football background, strength and power. Yep. It's just a power endurance tool. That's, that's how yeah, I looked at it. Tool. It's just a fitness gym tool. But, you know, the way you describe it even right now, it makes a whole lot of sense where you're going after – you know, your, your ideal client is somebody in the particular sport. You know, that's why it was created, the original rower. And then the skiers, that's why the skiers were created to, you know, simulate a, a rower out of water and simulate skiing with no snow. So it makes a lot of sense that you guys would stay in your lane. And, you know, that's why you are where you guys are today. Yeah, that's why you're successful. How many, how, how many rowers do you sell a year? 
Do you know? Yeah, so we don't we can't, we don't give out any numbers. Okay. It's still family only, you know, own business and stuff. And um, to be honest, here, like I don't even necessarily pay much attention to it. I guess my goal is to get as many of them out there as possible. Sure. Um, but I mean, it's also it's, when you're talking about like when you saw like the knockoff rollers, but when nobody cared about rowing, you know, we we got a 30 year jump on everybody getting a name out there, improving our product. Um, and it's only when it got cool that everyone started coming after us. And um, we're seeing that with the skiers. I mean, we invented the rowing machines. There were some other rowing type ergometers, you know, back in the 30s and whatever. You can find them online. You know, like old, old rowing type machines. But the skiers we invented, that's solely our deal. Um, and so that took a while to get cool. But unfortunately, now that that's become cool, you know, again, you know, the, you know, Foreign com- countries are starting to rip that off as, yeah. as well. It's, it's that it's that catch twenty two. You want everyone to love your product, but as soon as they do, then everyone starts to rip you off. So it's, uh, it's I tough. Mean, I think the the bike would be a little bit tougher to do because it's not like a normal spin bike, and there's thousands of bikes out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, mechanically, you know, I've looked at them, and mechanically, it's very different. So I know you guys have some, uh, let's call it, proprietary engineering and stuff there. With that, so not as not quite as easy of a of a of, of a knockoff. Yeah. Not well, and, and, real... and only that it's only been around for a few months anyway, so it's you know rather new in terms of technology. The skiers have been out for a long time, so people have had a long time to you know practice ripping them off. I mean, I'm not the skiers, yeah. the rowers. Sorry. Yeah, and then the skiing thing too. So the owners' kids are all Olympic. So their daughters have been in the Olympics for skiing, and so oh, okay. initially when we made it, it was actually. We actually had the U.S. team, a lot of people in the U.S. team were using it, and like we almost didn't want anybody else to know about it because it was a disadvantage in training. <laughs> so then it, it it did it did come out, and then they were using it for uh, one of those injuries that Nordic skiers get is compartment syndrome. So they would have on their calves and shins, and so they would do it seated, which turned into right now most of my adaptive athlete buddies and military guys that are injured. This is what they use for cardio. This has become the norm for anybody in a chair or with lower leg, you know, issues uh, to keep their cardio up because they hated yeah. the old arm crank. Yeah, I mean, we use it all. I mean, every single week we have a an injured athlete on it. Somebody's on it. Does seated skis all the time, every day, just about every day in here. So and, uh, that's one thing. If you want to try a good word, I had a buddy of mine. Who started uh, called Wheeled Wad, and it's for he does all workouts for guys in chairs. He did a, a 5K uh, from his chair, and he challenged me to do it. So I found a, a jump box, and I sat on it. I went hard for 5K, and I've never had my abs more ripped up. The next day, I sneezed and I cramped. That's how <laughs> bad it was. So if you if you want to try a good workout, try a seated skiered workout. Oh yeah, yeah. I've done the seated ski. I just and, wrote uh, it down. Yeah, and if you if you want to. <laughs> If you know, I crank the resistance up to ten and just do tricep extensions for like ten minutes. That gets it going. <laughs> do the jersey what, swall. What, what, <laughs> what you'll enjoy, Greg, is that Joe and I, when we when we were going through our Jim Jones certification process, we bought Concept Twos, and that's when we did. This is I don't know, 2013. So we got yeah. our first rowers, and we we're like, oh well, ten. You go the furthest in the shortest amount of time. So 
we only rode at a 10, and we both ended up with elbow tendonitis, yeah. <laughs> bicep issues. I mean, we hit, we hit all the standards, and then once Jane started coming around, the Australians like, came, you, yeah, started coming, like, so why are you guys rowing at a 10? And we're like, I don't know. That's, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Because the meathead mindset says if, if, it resi- if, if 10 equals a resistance number like it does in the gym, then I must be at max resistance all time. Right, everyone thinks it's like a collector pin. Yes, exactly. But I'm the worst at it. So you know, I'm a I'm a trainer. You know, I want to make people fit. But when I go to the gym and we're doing a rowing workout, and I see some big dude look over and kind of give me the head down and put his up on ten, and I leave mine down. Usually, I like a five or six, and he's looking. Who is this guy? I'm like, nobody. Oh, you just have fun on that ten. We'll see you at the end. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's like I'm not I'm not there to correct him until after the workout. Then I'll say, hey, you might want to try putting that down a little bit. Right. Yeah, you do. So. Well, we we had a friend. We had a friend of ours that stayed with us last summer and uh and he was like we're gonna do i don't know whatever we did it wasn't even that long of a distance it was only like a thousand meters and you know i go over and i crank mine up to 10 and i start rowing he's like he's like you realize that that's only for like short short meters or like if you were like a 300 pound ogre and i'm like i don't know what you you show me different he's like he's like if you put it at eight and give me the same effort i guarantee you hit the same number or better and you're gonna feel like half as shitty (laughs) and i said (laughs) <laughs> fine i'll try it you know so i hit like you know it was only like a 500 meter all out you know but i hit i hit the same time it was like a 128 or something like that 126 i hit the same time but my hands and i could feel the noticeably feel the difference in my hands and forearms you know my hands weren't blown to pieces from gripping so hard yeah. you know and well, i was well, yeah just, and, it, and like knowing that is, is the key and most people don't ever practice the roller they only get on it for a workout so they don't know what it feels like to do a different number because they just stick with what they know. They don't experiment at all. And what's crazy about that is I think you wouldn't walk up to a bar and put 450 on it, you know, without seeing what 250 felt like, you know, or what right, it 150 right. feels like. Right. But don't walk up to a rower and throw it on 10. Don't worry about it. Yeah, because maybe because the, there's no, like, not that there's a fear factor, you know what I mean? If I, there's 500 pounds on a squat bar and you're like, get in there and squat, yeah. like there's a good chance you could die. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. It's, I don't know. My my thing is that I just want people to start to like try to, if you're a guy that always rows on 10, you know, try yeah. doing it at a lower one and just see, you know, and if you, you know, just experiment with different drag factors. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's a cool workout people, we do. Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. But like most people, like the sweet spot, you know, it's going to be right around the drag factor. That's, that's the one to 10 is the damper, but that references something in the monitor called the drag factor, yep. how fast the flywheel slows down between strokes. So once you know your number, which I know for me, my, I do my best at like a 120 to 125 drag. So no matter what machine I go to, because if it's a, if a machine that's a little bit dusty, instead mm-hmm. of a five, it might be a six, you know, right around in there. So when you, you're going to be really getting into this, you should know your drag factor and where you're most efficient, and then you always set your damper based on your drag factor, which is a little bit fancy and nerdy, but once they figure that out, it's, it's a game changer for most people with that product. Now, I've done that, but it took me, A, a couple of years to figure that out. It took me people that were, you know, had years in using the machinery to show me. What's the best way for a lay person, a regular client, like my gym members here, I got 200 regular people that want that we use the rowers with every day what's the easiest and best way for them to find what drag factor would work great for them well we tell most people to start out you know like a 
on a newer machine that's not designed a lot of dust in the flywheel and stuff. It would probably be a three and a five and, and start there and learn how to apply pressure, which for most people is going to be by adjusting your, your stroke rate and getting that strong, what we call purchase of the catch, which means that strong feeling that when your hands are closer to the flywheel mm-hmm. and realizing that most of the work is done there and that the recovery should be used exactly that as a recovery for your next stroke. So in other words, you're going to spend time setting up for a deadlift. You should spend time setting up for that next stroke on the rower. Mm-hmm. And if you do that and your stroke rates are, you know, between, you know, 27 strokes per minute and, you know, 32 strokes per minute, most people are going to be down in like the middle range of the drag factor and damper settings. And then from there, if you're Eddie Hall or just a Hoss and you think that, you know, you might do a little bit better, then go up to like six or seven and see how you do. And then just keep on fluctuating lower and higher to see what works best for you based on your stroke rate and your body size and the distance at which you're going to row because it's going to change too. If I'm doing a marathon versus a 500, there's going to be some some change in my, my drag factor, you know, based on what I can sustain. You know, I can sustain a, a higher load for a short distance, but I'm not going to hold it for 30 minutes, you know, something like that. Sure. So adjust it. So in the standpoint, on the standpoint of training, you know, um, and, and clients, in a sense, testing themselves out, the drag factor is just another fun variable to play with as a machine and as, you know, as part of a workout just to kind of see, you know, what you like best at different, interval distances and such, you know, and what works best for your body and your, let's call it your level of physical ability and stuff. And it is, it's more so if you're comparing yourself or you're doing it to be competitive because you know darn well, you can put it on a 10 and get a hell of a great workout. You know, most likely you aren't going to get injured by it. And and so if your goal is to just wreck yourself and fall off the machine and get a good workout, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But now if you want to try to, better your time or compete against somebody else that maybe doesn't know how to do it, then that's the game changer advantage. But most of our equipment, you know, even if you're doing it wildly wrong, you're going to get a great workout either yeah. way. It's just you could be much better and more efficient at it if you learn the technique and you learn how to monitor work and understand the cheat, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, what did it for me was when I went out to Jim Jones and I saw the guys who were rowing the best times looked like they weren't rowing hard at all. Like, right. me and Dan looked like a couple rhinos charging, like, you know, like, balls <laughs> to the wall, eyes coming out of my head. I'm purple-red, you know, and I'm rowing a 650-something, you know. And and there's guys that are like, and they're just like, I'm like, man, what's that? I'm like, he ba- barely pulling that damn thing. But I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his, you know, his his split time, and it's like, in the one high 130s and his stroke rates at like 27 i'm like say he's ripping it though i'm like how, it looks like he's barely going and he, and i see that yeah. you know in the drag factor would be set at like a 6 and i'm like ah, i'm like you know and, my, and the first thing in my head is bunch of pussies i could do better than that but pull that shit at 10 <laughs> you know and it was like and then i'm like oh oh i'm just doing it really badly <laughs> you know my technique is terrible <laughs> old video on YouTube and it's, uh, it's almost embarrassing so I don't know necessarily why everyone would find it but it was uh, myself the owner of Concept 2 and another guy who was just hired to do production this is man he's probably 15 years old now and I think we were doing a 500 meter sprint and the guy that we had just hired was straight out of the military and he was a hammer he's a young guy and right. he just starts off and he's just ripping and you know sweat bubbles and not coming out of his nose and then there's me and I look like I'm flailing 
like crazy too. And then there's Pete, looks like he's just out for a row on the lake, you know, like nothing. <laughs> and he crushed us. And it was all about knowing the machine. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. It's like the young bull and the old bull. The old bull is way You can, and that's the thing too, you see like the CrossFit events, people will go, and I'm in the stands, and like, oh, that guy's going to win. Look how fast he's going back and forth. Yeah. And just, I want to turn around and be like, that really has nothing to do with it. No, and that's probably the guy that's going to lose because he's just blowing himself exactly. out. You know, yeah, that, that's what I learned was the efficiency. And I was like, what efficiency? Level 10, go as hard as you can. And I'm like, well, you made a minute. But if I put it on six and I go half as hard, I grow a better time. No way. You know, and then, and then you do it and you're like, crap, I can't believe that. So there really is something to, that's, again, that speaks to the machinery, the unique nature of it. I think you're, the company's, you know, standpoint and mantra and core values centered around building a, a, a world-class piece of machinery that is accurate as, as it absolutely can be and that does not break, first and foremost, is the reason why you're here. I mean, you know, I know that you're an amazing marketing guy who doesn't do marketing, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, doing a great job. But the, the machine itself is, you know, a, a phenomenal piece of machinery that, you know, as far as I know, anybody who has one, still has it and still uses it. And and even with very minimal maintenance for like home use, they will work forever. You know, and ever and ever yeah. and ever. So it's a it's a great piece of machinery. Yeah, we gotta I mean basically gotta say thanks to guys like like you and you know all the coaches that are out there because really you guys are marketing our equipment for us. Um mm-hmm. you know right now with social media and Instagram with the stuff that you guys put out and you know other than like gain and and people it's you know you get it all good coaches and good people who write good products and they tell the world about it and you know it makes that's what makes our job easier and a lot of times we just point people to guys like yourself and like well this guy really knows what he's talking about you should go look at that and we try at least with my social media most of my posts are reposts of, of people that I think other people should notice so other good coaches people who are using it you know motivation you know there's there's a lot of guys out there that are just, you know, crushing in their gym every day for no other reason than, than stress relief and they fit, you know. And so those guys are the guys out there that are marketing for us. You know, we don't have some New York City ad executive doing it for us. It's those yeah. guys. But we really appreciate it. We don't, we don't take it lightly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we see so many of our own clients now because we'll have, you know, our, our varsity house challenges and games and things like that, that people actually have the, the equipment at home now. And you see uh-huh. how, you know, if you do make that piece of equipment and just using Jim Jones again as another example, you know, with the sub seven 2K row, you know, every, every single person that goes to one of those seminars is is getting on a rower or buying one for themselves. So you could see how it's... Yeah, Altitude, too. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, you sure. guys are doing that. And that you oh, it was brutal. Yeah, yeah. This the, guy was a gig. What's Jake's last name? There's a guy that literally blew a blood vessel on his eye. Yeah, we were there. Watson. Was, yeah, Jake, Jake Watson. Jake Watson. Yeah, Watson. Yeah, He's we from Detroit, uh, Station yeah. 515. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. there for that. Yeah, so he, was Joe. Oh, yeah. he, had to, uh, he had to sit out the rest of the week because he was wild. done. Yeah, that was it. One and done on his first day. <laughs> I think we sent him, like, I saw that. I think I sent him a hat or something. If you were going to go that hard in our equipment, blow blood vessels, at least to get you. Here's a consolation hat. Hey, Greg, so to, to finish up here, um, we always yeah. want to get somebody to, uh, all, anybody that's on the show, to give one piece of advice 
um, in their given field. So for you, you know, do you have one piece of advice with marketing or sales or, or building a brand? Uh, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to somebody that's aspiring to do what you do? That's a good one. You know, thinking of ours, I think is if you say you're going to do something, do it. And I could even be better at this. And if you can't help somebody, be straight with them and just say that you can't do it because it's not just your reputation, but the reputation of the company that goes with you. And so, you know, we have the added pressure of, you know, the owners of the family here are so great that, you know, we strive to don't do anything that's going to bring down the, their name or the name of the company. And I think that other, you know, even if you're doing a sales job that you might not be there the rest of your life, you know, the reputation side of it will travel with you no matter where you go. So try to keep that in mind whenever you can. That's probably the first thing. Stay true to stay true to your core values. Stick to your guns. That's exactly. Great. Yep. Absolutely. Loyalty goes a long way. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Greg. Really appreciate it. You know, before we wrap up here, can you just let everybody know where they can find you personally? And if they are inspired to buy a piece of Concept 2 equipment, where they can do that as well? Yeah, sure. So uh, the way we do things with, like, social media, so I have Concept 2 Greg, and that's literally me uh, on there. And then we have Concept 2 Inc., which is my coworker, Jameson, um, and he does a lot of the stuff that's maybe not geared towards the markets that I work with, uh, but still really worth a follow. And then uh, the best place to get a machine is from concept2.com. You can do it online, or they can call up and literally talk to one of us. It's not a call center. We're all here in the building. We all use the equipment. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, is if you have questions, there's no dumb questions, and Chances are, if you're calling with that question, we've answered it thousands of times. Everyone here has been here forever. So, um, you know, any simple questions, hard questions, training questions, just call call Concept2. There's an 800 number right on the website. And uh, we're also lucky we do normal business hours. We're on the East Coast. So from basically 7.30 in the morning till 5 o'clock at night, we, we just do the five, you know, five work week, five-day work week. And then other than that, they can send emails to info at concept2.com and we we'll try to get those even on the weekends if we can. Cool. Awesome. Greg, thanks so much. Uh, honestly, I yeah, can't speak great. enough about Concept2 and, and personally about their customer service. has always been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your yep. experience with us and, and all of our fans here. And, uh, and I know that you have a lot of fans on the business of strength of Concept2, so we appreciate it very much, Greg. And we will hopefully one day we get you down here to Varsity House and we'll beat up some of the concept machines and we'll show you some of our show you some uh, of our toys and then just like jane if you guys want to come up here to the wilds of vermont and you know do some beer biathlon shoot guns try some on water rowing go some mountain awesome. biking, something like that we might so sink the boat we might sink the boat yeah I, I definitely want to do some shooting though. i want to do a little biathlon action that sounds awesome yeah, that'd be cool that sounds well, great thank yeah, you greg we really it. appreciate it yeah. all right well i appreciate it too guys it really means a lot that you thought to ask thank you Thanks so much, Greg. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye. The business of strength powered by Varsity House Gym. Turn your passion into your profession and learn how to run a world-class business. Be sure to visit us at www.strengthentrepreneurs.com to learn more. And as always, at varsityhousegym.com. Become unstoppable.